but special emphasis and focus is put on it this year because the leadership team, the strategic team at Life Church, has established and come up with, with God's help, a very ambitious plan for this year at Life Church. We're at a very critical and a strategic time in the history of our church for many reasons, and we're moving forward. But I believe at Life Church we have to move forward on our knees. Amen? Move forward through prayer. Now, we are uh, starting a sermon series today, and we will be in this sermon series throughout the month of February. Uh, after this Sunday, three more Sundays. And you can see here that our theme for the whole year is A Time to Build in 2008. We're going to be doing sermon series, three different sermon series over the course of 2008. There are three things that we're going to focus on building. Number one is the church. Number two is healthy relationships. And number three is spiritual disciplines. These are things that we have to consciously make a decision to build in our lives. The passage of Scripture that is the underlying uh, uh, verse of Scripture for this theme that we're looking at is in Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 and verse 1. Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs, which is right after Psalms, which is right in the middle of your Bible, if that helps you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, There is a time. Everybody say time. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build. This is the New International Version that I've read to you. A time to build. A time to build is our theme for this year, and the sermon series that we're going into is specifically a time to build the church. A time to build, two major parts to this statement. First of all, the word time. Everyone say time again. comes from the uh, Greek word chronos, which has to do with clocks and calendars. It's a specific time. Now, we know there are different times for different things and different events. There is a time to get up in the morning, a time to go to bed at night. And all of these times that are referenced in the Word of God, or that we see in our life. There's a specific time to do something. And we believe at Life Church that it is time to build. Now, the word to build has to do with using materials, using something to construct something. Also, the word build has a connotation of moving forward or progress. And as we said, you can build relationships. You don't have to just build buildings, but you can build relationships. It takes effort and work and energy and attention and focus to build good relationships. As we said, you can build spiritual disciplines. It's making a conscious effort and determining and coming up with a plan to make it happen. Very uh, infrequently does somebody build something that they never intended to build. Usually it's done with plan and foresight and preparation and, and uh, plans and blueprints and something. And the same is true with these things of progress represented in our life uh, that we need to build. As I said, we are focusing this month on building the church. Everybody say building the church. God has given us this responsibility to partner with him to build up and to uh, uh, strengthen and to... Uh, uh, Cause to grow the church of the living God. God has given us this responsibility, and we're going to focus on how we, as individual members of Life Church, can help build up 
the church or the body of Christ. Uh, there are ways that we're going to focus this month on our ability to build up the church. Today, we're going to focus on building the church through prayer. You and I have an opportunity and a tool whereby we can help to build up God's kingdom, and that is prayer. We'll also be talking about building up the kingdom by reaching. And one of the dates we'll be talking about building up the kingdom by giving or the building structure itself. And the last week we will talk about how we can help to build up the kingdom of God by choosing to serve the church. Building the church uh, by serving. Amen. Verse uh, 18 of uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus spoke to Peter and said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Uh, Jesus was saying to Peter, first of all, I want you to know that I am building my church. Uh, this is not anybody's church. Uh, this is not any individual's church. Uh, this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and he is the primary architect. Uh, he is the primary source of uh, inspiration. He is the primary source of resources. Uh, he is the primary source of direction. It is his church. Uh, he is going to build it. He said the church that I'm going to build is going to be put in a position where hell cannot stop its progress. Satan and his kingdom and the kingdoms of this world will not be able to stop the forward movement of the church of the living God. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In all of the Bible, this is the first reference of the word church or the Greek word ekklesia, which actually means the called out ones. This is the very first mention. And Jesus said, I am going to build my church. If we're going to work together to build the church, we need to find out what the church is. I said, well, I know what a church is. It's one of those buildings with a pointy roof and a steeple on top and stained glass windows and a man that wears an odd-looking outfit and uh, beautiful architecture inside and carved stones. Uh, let me tell you something. This is not the church that you're thinking about. Uh, the church is the kingdom of God, God's bride, uh, the bride of Jesus Christ, a group of people that's alive and vibrant and changing and transforming the world, people who are growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, people that are growing in their relationships with each other, and people that are growing in their influence with a lost and dying world. This is what the church church is. Amen. Give you a little history. There was a wild man with crazy hair, furry clothes, clothes made of animal skins that came out of the wilderness. And when he came into the area of Judea, he began to declare his message. And everyone says he's mad. But they came around to watch him because they were curious at his antics and his message. This man came out of the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey, but he had an agenda. He had a purpose, uh, and there was conviction in his voice. Uh, there was something that was shaking the foundation of people's thought process. Uh, when the words came from forth from his mouth uh, in their crude fashion, unlearned and uneducated declaration, the message of this man named John the Baptist, uh, as he came out of the wilderness some 2,000 years ago, was repent for the kingdom of God. 
God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You better get your heart ready. You better prepare yourself because something's fixing to change in the atmosphere. Something's uh, getting ready to change in the dynamics of the spiritual realm because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is the first reference uh, to in the New Testament of the coming of the church. And Jesus went out and began to declare the same thing. The kingdom of heaven is like unto this. The kingdom of God is like unto that. The kingdom of heaven is not made up of this. The kingdom of God is made up of this. Jesus came to this earth not to set up a political structure, but to set up a kingdom called the church. That would be a kingdom that would be in every nation of every tongue, every creed, every social economic background made up of people that would be put here to change the world. That's the church I'm talking about. When Jesus came, He came to build a church. He came to call out from this world a church. We've heard many times before it said, Jesus came to save the world. There's truth in that statement. It's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But a more accurate telling of Jesus' purpose in coming to the earth was not to save the whole world. The Bible does say that through that, that the world through him might be saved. But we are very clearly made known in Scripture that not everyone's going to be saved. Amen? Not everyone's going to accept the message of the Lord. Not everyone's going to obey the gospel. So in reality, what Jesus came to do was to pull from this world a church, a bride. Amen? A bride. Some group of people that could be referred to corporately as the bride of Christ. Someone that he would have relationship with. Someone that would love him and he would love them. And there would be eternal fellowship together. And from this world that's focused on its own thing and doing its own thing, there was a call that came forth from the lungs and the throat of John the Baptist and was carried through to the next generation to Jesus Christ. And then the disciples and the apostles carried on the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. The message was there's a call going out through the land that you don't have to stay who you are and where you are and associated with whom you are associated, but you can come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will call you my lover, amen I'll call you my friend, I'll call you my church, when Jesus came his purpose, when dying on the cross, he knew that all the world wouldn't accept his message, but he knew there would be some beloved that would come out from among them and make up this body called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or the church the ecclesia, the called out ones this is the church that Jesus planned to build that we're a part of today. No, it's not contained only in this building. No, it's not contained in any one organization or one group of people. But it is the people of God that worship God in spirit and in truth, as was mentioned previously by Brother Donnie. This is the church of the living God. Amen. Clap your hands and thank God for His plan. Briefly mention the passage in Matthew 16. 15, beginning verse 15, as I said, this is the first recorded reference to the word church in all the Bible. You never read the word church in the Old Testament. It's a New Testament concept, first uttered by Jesus Christ himself. Verse 15 of Matthew 16 says, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, 
For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. In other words, no human being told you this message. But my Father, which is in heaven. Let me paraphrase it for you here. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the son of the living God. Jesus says, you're blessed, Simon, because it's obvious that God is speaking to you. Because no human being told you this. God gave you this revelation. Verse 18, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this foundation, upon this impregnable slab, I will build my church on the right foundation, on the right rock, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Another place in Scripture, it says that Jesus Christ himself was the chief cornerstone. The message of who Jesus was is the foundation of the church. Somebody said it really doesn't matter what you believe about the nature of God and who Jesus was, just so long as you believe Jesus came to save the world. You need to understand who Jesus is because this is the foundation of the church. You need to understand that Jesus was a man, but he was more than just a man because he was the eternal, ever-living, everlasting Father that came to the earth as in human flesh to reconcile the world unto himself. He said, Thou art Peter, upon the rock of the revelation of who Jesus is, I'm going to build a church that no flood, no wind, no wave would be able to knock it down. Amen. No uh, uh, force of the enemy would be able to impregnate, impregnate, impregnate the impregnable walls uh, of the church uh, of the living God. Verse 19, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I'm giving you power, church to bind things on earth, and so it will be done in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All God's promises that are waiting there, they're in shipping and receiving. They're waiting for delivery. Church, I'm going to give you power to loose whatever's in the heavens. Anything that's in the spirit realm that's attacking you, I give you authority, church, to bind it up. And if you bind it up, then it'll be bound in the heavens. There's power in the hands of the church to loose and to bind. Because God said, it's my church. Jesus said, I'm building my church. It's on the right foundation. And there's power in the church of the living God. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. We have an Old Testament witness about building the house of God. Ezra 1.3 Who is there among all you all of all this people? His God be with you. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. We're going to build the house of the Lord. Second Chronicles 2 and 4 Behold, I build an house to the name of the Lord my God to dedicate to him and to burn before him sweet incense and for the continual showbread and for the burnt offerings in morning and evening on the Sabbaths and on the new moon and on the solemn feasts of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. The Hebrew people, uh, the religious Jewish people, place great reverence uh, on the temple. The place 
place which is called the house of God, where the incense is burnt, where the sacrifices are given, where the act of worship uh, is played out uh, by the priests there in the temple. And this is the place where God dwells. This is the holy house of the Lord. This is the Old Testament version of the church. But in the New Testament, thank the Lord, we don't have to go to a stone building overlaid with gold to say, now I'm in church. Because the Bible says, what? Know ye not? Are you not aware that your body is now the temple of the Holy Ghost? You that have had your bodies washed in the blood of the Lamb and in waters of baptism in the name of Jesus, you that have been filled with His glorious Spirit, the Spirit of the living God has taken up residence in your heart, and your body becomes the New Testament temple of the living God. And when you and you and I and you and you get together, then all of a sudden we are a group of tabernacles or temples. And when two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus, He shows up because He is in the midst of His temple, His tabernacle, the church. Upon this rock I will build my church. He came to save the world, but more specifically, He really came to call out of this world a church, a bride with whom he could have a relationship, with whom he could love. So God is building his church. God's been building his church for 2,000 years. His church is made up of people that are alive today and people who've been dead for hundreds of years. It's still the church of the living God. It's a church that has eternal purpose. I may live only 70 years. I may live only 40. But I know that I've got a living spirit a soul down on the inside that's going to live somewhere for eternity. And that decision as to where I'm going to spend eternity is made up as to whether I become a part of the church and get in the ark and join up with the redeemed or if I decide to live my own way. If I refuse God's call to come out from among them and be a part of the kingdom of God, then I have a promise from Scripture as well. But it's not a very exciting promise. It's a promise of eternal damnation and suffering, having rejected the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But if I accept the love of Jesus and apply His blood to my life and join up with the blood-bought ones called the church, the kingdom of God, then I have an eternal promise of eternal pleasure, amen, of eternal paradise, hallelujah, hallelujah, in the heavens, because I'm a part of the kingdom of God. How many are glad you're part of the church? Hey, guess what? you got a good future ahead of you. you got something to look forward to, because you are a part of the church of the living God. God is still building the church. He said, I will build my church. And you may be thinking, well, pastor, sounds like he's got it covered. I'm here, I'm in the church, he's building the church. But the Bible also gives us clear understanding that as Jesus builds his church, he's going to use you and I as laborers together with him to make this happen. How come there's not a church in every city? How come there's not a witness for his name on every corner? If Jesus was the only one building the church and didn't choose to use human beings to build it through, then there would be no need for world missions, no need for sacrifice and giving. But Jesus said, I'm going to use you. My message is going to be the foundation, and I'm going to build upon that through the church of the living God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9 says, 
For we are laborers together with God. Everybody say, with God. We are laborers together with Him. We're partners. Everybody say, partners. God and I are partners. You and the Lord are partners. And the church that's being built in the San Gabriel Valley, the church that you're a part of, the family that you're a part of, is being built because you and God have partnered up uh, to build the church of the kingdom of God. We are laborers together. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Verse 10, but by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation of the church. Be careful how you build on what's already been built, because you don't have the right to just build it however you want to. You've got to build it on the apostles' foundation. You've got to build it on Jesus' foundation. Amen? In verse 9, it says, we are God's building. This is odd. This is a kind of a bizarre concept that we are working on the building, but we also are the building. We are the laborers and the materials of the kingdom. We are the workers and the product that's being built. We're working together with God to build up the church, but we are the church. I just have a crazy mental image of a, a brick putting another brick up on top of itself. A church that builds itself. You're God's building, but you're also the builder together with Him. We are the building and we are the project. We are the builders with God and the project. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Everybody still with me? Verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You're no more just wandering, doing your own thing. But God has bought you with His blood. You made a decision to give your life to the Lord and had His uh, anointing on your life. uh, And now you're a part of the household, the family of God, or the church of the living God. Verse 20, And are built upon the foundation. Everybody say foundation. Foundation of the apostles and prophets. That means the Old Testament and the New Testament form the foundation for this church. You're built upon this foundation. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building. Now remember, you are the building. I am the building. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Together. Not separate. You're not a part of the building if you're a brick overlaying on the ground. You're a part of the building if you're fitly framed with others. That's why it's important for every Christian to be part of a local church. You don't float from place to place. That would be like, like a, a piece of cinder block saying, I'm a part of this building. Now I'm going to choose to pop out of the wall and go be a part of another building. You're fitly framed together, being a part of the kingdom of God. Amen? Fitly framed together, this building groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. You and me are bricks in the wall. You and me are a part of this kingdom. But it's a kingdom that doesn't stop with you and me, but it's a kingdom that's growing into a holy temple. And we are building the church. We are the church, and with Jesus Christ, we are building the church. And it's the most important responsibility that you have. 
It's more important than how much money you make this year. It's more important, amen, than how much influence you have or or how popular your name is or or how many people have to call you yes sir or yes ma'am or call you boss. The most important thing that you and I are involved in is building up the kingdom of God. Because everything else I build on this world, be it a house, a career, or a family, is only temporal. Every house I build will once uh, one day be burnt with a fervent heat. My career will be just a memory years from now. But the church of the living God is eternal because it will stand the test of time. It will still be standing years from now. And whenever this world is burnt apart, the church will stand forever. Everybody say, I am the church. Now say, I am building the church. A time to build 2008. So how can I work together with Jesus Christ to build this church? I'm here, Lord. Whatever you need me to do. It's a block and fall. It's another brick on the foundation. But I'm alive. Not a rolling stone, but alive. The Bible says we're alive. Don't get the idea because you're in the wall. You just kind of sit there like a bump. Of... Why don't you worship? I'm just a stone in the wall. You got the wrong message. Amen. The Bible says we're lively stuff. We're alive. We're alive. We're moving. Amen? How can I work together with the Lord Jesus to build the church? If it's time to build, the church is here. It's time for it to grow into the temple of God. How do I get involved? As we said, we'll be talking about the ability to use reaching or evangelism, caring and stretching outside the walls of the church. God's already given me direction for it. This is crazy. You guys are going to say, what in the world's wrong with you, Brother Brown? But God's given me direction for a theme for 2009. 2008, our theme is a time to build. 2009, our theme is going to be outside the wall. Because it's the will of God for us to take the message outside the walls of the church. We can build the church by reaching. Amen? And we can build the church by serving. Finding a place to serve in the kingdom of God, using your gifts and talents and abilities to bless other people, to minister and serve other people. You know what? If you want to rise to the top, you've got to be a servant. While I was teaching my new life class today, we were sitting in there and Brother Jeffrey came in and brought me a glass of water. Did I ask for it? No. But he came and brought it to me. He walked out the door and I turned to the people. We were sitting there. I said, that man's going to be a leader. God's going to exalt him. Because if you want to be exalted in the kingdom of God, you go up by descending. By serving. Amen. And if you want God to use you, you've got to start out by being willing to serve in any place. And you can build up the church by serving. You can build up the church by giving. God has called us to give. Amen. As the Lord has blessed us. And we're going to talk about giving and building the actual physical structure of the church. But today we're focusing on prayer. Prayer is the greatest thing that you can do. To work together with Jesus Christ. To build the church. I like the Lord's Prayer because Jesus said, He told them to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. In other words, let your church be established. Thy will be done. In other words, God, whatever you want to do, let it happen. Then the next one, on earth, as it is in heaven. What is this saying? That says the spirit realm in the heaven, God's will is always done. 
But on earth, we've got to pray to make God's will be done. I remember when I got this revelation from the Word of God. If God, See, the Bible says it's not His will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God's will is always done on the earth, then everybody would be saved. But Lord, no, not everybody's saved. Lots of people, not even close to being saved. They're closer than they think. Not even close to being saved. So the will of God's not always done on the earth. It's always done in the heavens. But what makes the difference to allow God's will to be done on the earth is when people do what Jesus said, and that is to say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let your church be established. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was saying, in essence, what enables the church to do on the earth what God wants it to do is through the power of prayer. When we call upon the name of the Lord and ask Him to let His will be done. I, I, I remember trying to figure it out, why, why, why does it matter whether I ask God for His will to be done? His will is going to be done anyway. And then I got into the Word of God and found out that God's will is done when God's people cry out for His will to be done. And a praying church is a powerful church. A praying church is a growing church. A praying church is an expanding church. A praying church is a church that's taking new territory away from the enemy. Prayer is what makes the difference in the kingdom of God. Prayer is what expands the church and grows the church. You can have a great structure, lots of people serving, lots of people reaching, but if you don't have a church that knows how to pray, you're just building a crowd. But if you have a church that knows how to pray, you can build up a kingdom built of lives that have been changed, people that have been born again, people that have given up the old life and the old habits and replaced them with a new life and with new habits. But this doesn't happen because you've got a charming preacher. And this doesn't happen because you've got a beautiful building. And this doesn't happen because you've got good music. This only happens because people cry out and say, Thy will be done on earth. I don't know if you think I'm a good preacher. Let me tell you something. Satan's not afraid of my preaching. He's scared to death of my prayer. Because that's your tool. That, that's your weapon of spiritual warfare. You get on your knees and cry, oh, I feel it in my spirit. Life Church is getting ready to move forward because people are understanding from the top to the bottom, from the pastor, everyone in this church, we are learning that we move forward through the power of prayer. We don't move forward with just programs and planning. We're going to do all that and we're going to do our very best. We're going to execute everything with excellence. But in the meantime, we realize that the engine of Life Church is a praying group of people that understand that this thing moves forward. The kingdom progresses. The kingdom expands through the power of prayer. I love this saying. I've said it several times. I'm going to say it again. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Hallelujah. Satan is intimidated by our prayer because it is how we move forward in spiritual warfare. On Wednesday night, this last Wednesday here at Life Church, there was a major dent put into the kingdom of the enemy. Because there was a breakthrough in prayer here on a Wednesday night. I, I tried to teach a Bible study. I did everything I could to teach a Bible study. 
I had one planned and prepared. I've been trying to teach it now for two different weeks. But the power of God came in. The spirit of travail hit the church. Amen. After that service, I had a young man come up to me and say, Oscar said, I've got to be baptized Sunday. And I got another call. Edgar says, I'm going to be baptized Sunday. Guess what? We've got some mamas here that believe it's the power of prayer that pushes back, that pushes back against the enemy, that expands the kingdom of God. Come on now. Ecclesiastes said there's a time to tear down and a time to build. And don't get the impression it's ever going to be time to tear up the church. I've heard people that say, oh, yeah, God's leading me to tear the church up. They won't say that specifically, but they're being divisive in the kingdom and thinking that they're serving God. There's time to tear down. And when you build the kingdom of God, you are in the process of tearing down the kingdom of the enemy. There's no neutral ground. Understand? There's not like a gap between the church and the enemy that we can kind of take, and the enemy's like, okay, as long as you don't get into my territory. Every step we take forward as a church, we're taking territory away from Satan. Come on, you believe what I'm saying? So while we're building up, we are in the same process tearing down. We're tearing down the enemy's kingdom. We're destroying the works of the devil. That's what the Bible says Jesus' purpose in coming to the world was. For this purpose did he enter the world, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And we become those who execute what Jesus began, and that is to destroy the works of the devil. Every time a drug addict gets delivered in our church... We're tearing down the kingdom of hell. In the strategic realm of the underbelly of the world, which is perhaps who knows where it is, where hell comes together and gathers. And there is a little demonic force, a little minion of the devil that says, I took seven years to get him trapped up in that addiction. All of a sudden he cried out to God cried out to the Lord. And that seven years of work crumbled. See, that happens because of the power of prayer. I cannot preach one person out of drug addiction. But I tell you what, if this church is praying, there will be so much power that when they walk through, amen, the doors of this church, they begin to feel conviction. They begin to feel the pull of God on their heart. They begin to feel hope where they felt hopeless. They begin to feel direction where they have been wandering through the power of prayer, through the power of the name of Jesus Christ, through the power of the shed blood. Amen. We can have the message, but if we don't have prayer behind it, we don't have power. Young people, I'm challenging you to be prayer warriors. Start young. Amen? Say, well, I don't feel like praying an hour. You don't have to pray an hour a day. Pray 15 minutes a day. Start out praying five minutes a day. Take time out to get honest with God and talk to Him for a few minutes. And you'll, dis- you'll discover that your appetite for prayer will begin to grow. You want to help build the church? You see, I don't have a good job. I don't have a lot of money. Do you have two knees? Amen. Do you know how to get down? Do you have a voice? Can you call upon the name of the Lord? You can make a big difference in building this church if you learn how to pray. Hallelujah. We have on our capital stewardship team, we have a group that's been asked to uh, lead and help in prayer. Sister Jackie is leading. I want you to stand up, Sister Jackie. And those that are a part of this prayer team, 
for the capital stewardship campaign, I want you to stand up. Anybody in the congregation that's a part of the prayer team on the capital stewardship uh, campaign, I want you to look around, folks. Uh, these people are going to be uh, leading an effort in Life Church. You'll be hearing about it in a couple weeks. Uh, leading an effort for the backbone of our capital stewardship campaign and building the church through prayer. And we're going to join together with them. It's not going to be just them, but the kingdom of God is going to move forward because of the power of prayer. I've been praying every day. I've been praying every day and believing God for Him to do great things in our church, to work miracles in this project. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Prayer is the thing that grasps at eternity. And there are things that can only be done through prayer. It's our weapon of spiritual warfare. Now, there are a lot of churches where they have huge crowds of people that come together and do their social, social Christian thing. And some people are changed, and that's wonderful, but there's a large majority of people that never change. They just come because it's socially acceptable or the thing to do to kind of fit into the crowd to uh, be in this church. There's not a lot of spiritual warfare going on. It's just kind of a surface thing, kind of a... a uh, um, surface flesh thing. There's no transformation of the heart and life. But the true church of the living God cannot grow by gimmicks and so forth. There has got to be a, a, a depth of prayer. And somebody said, well, well, Pastor Brown, if you just change a few little things, I've heard this before, if you just change a few little things about the way you preach and the way you teach and the way you're so dogmatic about certain doctrinal teachings of the apostolic church, then there's a lot of people that love what they feel here, and they, they love this church, and they love this group, and they love you, and they love their preaching. It'd be so easy. You could grow a big, a big, huge church real quick. But the deal is we're not building a church off of other churches. We're not trying to build a church off of Christians. Life Church is going to be built off changed lives. I want a church made up of former drug addicts, I want a church made up of people whose lives have been battered by Satan. I want a church made up of people who found out that they couldn't find pleasure and happiness and fulfillment in sexual activity or drug abuse or even in finance and money and career. And they come with their life and their broken dreams and their shattered expectations. And they come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I didn't come to join your social club. I came for you to change my life from the inside out. The church is built and made up of people whose lives have been changed. Jesus said, I didn't come as a physician to work on those that were fine. I came for those that were broken. I came for those that were hurting. I came for those whose lives were messed up. And the true church ministers to people's needs. Ministers a transformation of life. This only happens with the backing of prayer. This only happens through anointed prayer. This can only be done through prayer. We can only take Satan's territory through prayer. We can only claim lives from the fires of hell through prayer. We can only claim lives from drug addiction through the power of prayer. We can only claim lives from prostitution through the power of prayer. We can only claim lives from empty existence and hobbies and, and careers that are overwhelming them through the power of prayer. But through the power of prayer, there is such a compelling sense of God's presence in our midst. Amen. We can't jump it down. We can't run it down. We can't drum it down. We can't organ it down. We've got to pray it down. And that's where God's anointing will be in our midst. The Bible says we have power to bind and loose. Whatever we bind is bound in the heavens of the spirit. Whatever we loose is loosed in the spirit. Now, this 
happens through prayer. That's where a difference is going to be. That's where people will be added to the kingdom. That's where people are going to be delivered. Church, I hope I'm not going over your head. This is simple. This is class 101. I hope I'm getting at your heart there. Because if we as a church understand the importance of prayer, if we understand that this is how the church goes forward, this is how I personally am able to help build up the kingdom of God and build up myself, which is a part of the kingdom of God, I can do it through prayer. This church moves forward with vision. Because God gives us God-ordained and God-breathed vision. But that doesn't come except through prayer. This church moves forward, not does not move forward if there's no passion. If there's nothing burning like a fire inside of us. And prayerlessness will take away your fire. But prayer will put it back in you. And a church that's moving forward is a church that has a God-ordained vision birthed and maintained in prayer. And a God-ordained passion or fire that's birthed and maintained in prayer. Church, we're moving forward, but we're only moving forward through prayer. It's a time to build. But what can I do to build up the kingdom of God? I've got to do it through prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. In other words, let that prayer produce purity. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Say, thank you, Jesus. And will heal their land. See, the church... When the church is the church, and the church begins to humble themselves and pray until it purifies them and call upon the name of the Lord, it not only affects the church, but it begins to affect our area. It begins to affect our school. Come on, I'm telling you something. I'm trying to build your faith because you need to understand. We've been long enough praying without faith. Come on, we've been long enough praying without faith. Church, it's time to believe and understand that our prayers make a difference. When we call on the name of the Lord on a daily basis, I've just been feeling this lately. It's time to take some things and mark them down and take them to the Lord every single day. But don't just take five minutes and bring him your uh, list of uh, requests. You've got to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Come before him with adoration. Confess your sins to him. Give him thanks for what he's done. And then you can bring your supplication and prayers to him. If we begin to do this on a regular basis, my God, hallelujah, I can sense that there is a sledgehammer or a jackhammer that's coming against the wall of opposition or the wall that has held you back from moving forward. Some of you have been stuck for a long time. You've been stuck for a long time. And you're you're waiting for a preacher to come preach a message or an evangelist to come preach a revival or somebody to write a book that gets you off a of ground center. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to learn that I only move forward if I learn how to bring it to God in prayer on a daily basis. If you're struggling with a sin and you can't break free from it, confess it to the Lord every day and every day ask Him to give you power over it. Come on, there's power in prayer. The Bible says, when Zion travails, many children will be born. The kingdom of God, our purpose and plan here is to see people born of the water and the spirit. After service, we're going to have two baptized in Jesus' name, being born of the water. I believe today, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is God's power on the inside of you. You can receive this glorious experience today. 
before you leave here. Because this is a place where you can be born again. And there are some mothers and some fathers, some grandmas and some grandpas, some teenagers and, yes, even some children that have been travailing and crying out to God for revival. And when Zion travails like a woman in birth... There is something that begins to happen. There are babies that are born. There are children that are brought into the kingdom. There's another brick laid on the foundation. The kingdom of God is expanded, but only through travail. Only through travail. Amen. Do I got any mamas that can witness the fact that there's no such thing as easy childbirth? Childbirth is a product of groaning. Childbirth is a product of pushing. Childbirth is a product of somebody who's motivated to bring this thing to birth. And that's what happens in the kingdom of God when there are some men and women, some children and young people that say we're not happy with a youth group of 12. We want a youth group of 25. They say we're not happy with a Sunday school of 20 kids. We want a Sunday school of 50 kids that love Jesus. We're not happy with a building that seats 150. We want a building that seats 1,500. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Sit down for a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit here. God's ministering to us today. Hallelujah. 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 Second Kings 19 and 3 says, And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble. This is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. It's a, everybody say, It's a bad day. It says, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It's a bad day. It's time for the baby to be born. But mama's too weak to push the child through and bring about birth. Jesus said, look out unto the fields, for they're white already to harvest. He's saying, in effect, the babies are ready to be born. They're right there. Day of rebuke, the day of blasphemy, the bad day is when the children are there to be born, but the church has not strength to bring forth because they're too wrapped up in their career, because the members of the church are too wrapped up in carnal pursuits. The members of the church are too busy to pray. Members of the church have decided that maybe they can build the kingdom through gimmick, through all these different ideas and concepts and uh, processes. And the church, the body of believers that brings forth birth. See, the Bible refers to the church. I, I don't want to get inappropriate here, but the Bible refers to the church as bride of the seed of the word is planted in a the heart. There is process of fertilization, the process moving toward. But it's the mother. But say mama. Mama's the one that's got to push the baby. Church, that's where we are. The seeds being planted. God's desires being fulfilled. There's hungry people all over the city, just like this precious couple here, that want something that God has for them. Amen? But the church begins to pray. 
the church begins to pray. Mothers begin to push. People begin to cry out to God. People learn the art of travail and say, I may be busy. I may be working two jobs. I may have to get up at 6 and not get to bed till 11. But I'm going to carve out a niche of time to get a hold of God. And they push. And we have corporate prayer meetings that are well attended. And people cry out to God and push. And the church begins to move forward. The church begins to grow. See, if it was just up to Jesus, then the church would be full. But it's up to the mama and the daddy to see that birth happens God's will is not that none would be saved, but that all would come to repentance. In other words, He wants everybody to be born again. He wants everybody to be born again. But the day of rebuke and sadness is when the babies are there to be born and the mother has not the power to push it through. But when Zion travails, then the babies are born. When the church begins to cry out, when the church begins to pray, then babies are born. Then the kingdom is expanded. I'm going to tell you right now, it's God's will that there be 50 people added to life church uh, this year, but it won't happen just because I said it, uh, and it won't happen just because we're preaching the truth, but it'll happen because there's a church uh, that knows how to push. I love it, but let's reach our hands up to the Lord right now and cry out to Him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, cry out to him right now. Come on, you've got an ear in heaven. Hallelujah. You got somebody that'll listen. You got somebody that'll hear. You got somebody that'll answer your prayer. Come on, cry out to him right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to prove something to you right now in the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray for just about five minutes now. We're going to travail. We're going to cry out to God. And I want you in just a few minutes, you can look back and watch and see what God's doing even in our service this morning. Not because somebody did a slick altar call. Not... Not because somebody drummed up emotion and frothed up the crowd, but because of the power of people that would travail. I want you to cry out to God right now. And God's going to begin to bring about some changes in some people's lives in this room right now. In the name of the Lord. Come on, just reach out to Him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Push, 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 push. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Come on, somebody. Do I have a mom in the house that knows how to pray? Knows how to cry out? There are some young people that have learned how to make their requests known before the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice to Him right now. Cry out to Him right now. Let's travail. Hallelujah, 
Jesus. God, we bless your name today, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, let your will be done, oh, God. As it is in heaven, oh, God, let it be done today, Lord Jesus. As it is in heaven, oh, God, your plan, your idea, your passion, oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, let the coals of fire that sits on the altar of heaven, oh, God, your Jesus, let it be poured out in this place today. In the name of Jesus, oh, God, we call upon your name, the name that's above every name, the name, oh, God, hallelujah, Jesus, that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to, Lord, in the name of Jesus, bring it to pass today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, oh, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let it come to pass, let it be made manifest today, Lord, whatever your plan is, for this moment, for this time, Lord Jesus, for your people, oh, God, let it come to pass, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Hallelujah. Now I want you to reach over and pray with somebody or move somewhere and pray with somebody right now. Hallelujah. Let's keep the spirit of travail alive, but let's focus our attention directly on some people right now. Begin to pray for them. Hallelujah. You may not know what they're going through. You may not know what they're facing. The spirit of the Lord may whisper to you what it is that they're, they're praying for and asking for. If not, just pray generally for them. And just travail and cry out to the Lord for them because God wants to bring hope to their life. God wants to bring new life to them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, bring hope, Lord God. Bring restoration, bring healing, Lord. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, Lord. You can do great things, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we are desperate for you, Jesus. Hungry for you, God. Oh, we thirst for you, Jesus. Oh, we need you. Saturate us, God. Oh, God, overflow the 
God, on our cities, God, on our friends and family, oh God. Oh that we fulfill our purpose, Lord God. To be salt and light in the world, oh God. Oh Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, rejoice right now as we continue to pray with brother edgar god filled him with the holy ghost some time ago but he's made a decision that he needs to be baptized in jesus name hallelujah hallelujah we're excited and god has given this young man leadership ability talent and influence and giftedness and we're going to pray that god will get a hold of of him and shake him around like a rag doll and transform him through the power of his spirit in the name of jesus christ hallelujah i want you to reach your hands and i want you to pray for edgar right now thank you jesus Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Right now we're going to pray for Edgar. Amen. We're going to pray for him that God just uses him. Amen. In a mighty way. So let's just pray for Edgar right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your awesome love, God. We thank you for what you're doing in Edgar's life, Lord Jesus. God, God, we pray that you use him in a mighty way, God, to build up your kingdom, God. Let him be that lively stone that he needs to be, Jesus. Lord, anoint his life, God. Anoint his heart, God. Anoint his steps, Lord, in his hands, God. His voice in his eyes, God. Let him see through you, God. Give him a vision, Lord, God. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, let him be, Lord Jesus, a warrior for you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we worship you and we praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Edward Amagwal, that you have repented of your sins, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. Hallelujah. If you bind it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. If you lose it on earth, I'll lose it in heaven. Just ask in his name and believe what he said. It's done. It's done. Well, if you bind it on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. If you lose it on earth.
throne room. There you will see all the promises, everything I've given to you. There you can use the authority, calling things as though they were. Shout with a voice of triumph. Come on and shout with a voice of praise. Lift your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. Yeah. Shout with a voice of praise. Shout unto God for the victory. triumph. 
Sister Jackie, you feel a word from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I would just like to take this time to say to Brother Steele, leader of the youth group, all of our young women of the youth group, you're a fine group of young men and women. You are truly examples. You are leading by examples. Keep up the good work. God is using you. And my prayer to the youth group, is that, like Brother Donnie said, that you are a light into this dark, dim world. The light is shining through you. Thank you for, for your encouragement, your friendship, your open arms to Oscar. 
He's only been coming to the church a little over two months, but he's already been influenced by your prayers and your love. He's changed his mindset. He's changed his personality. He's even changed his dress code because he wants to dress like the twins. He's told his mother, no more baggy pants. When I come to church, I want to have nice slacks, shirts, tie like Brother Jeff. To God be the glory, victory, victory. We got the victory. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's give thanks to the Lord for what he's doing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Spanish prayer at 4.30, Spanish service at 5 o'clock, prayer Wednesday night at 7, 8 o'clock Bible study, J positive, Wednesday night at 7. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Share the love of Jesus with one another. If you see somebody you don't know, make sure you meet them. Let them know how much you're thankful that they're in the house of the Lord today. Praise God. God bless you.